Welcome to part four of our series, It's Complicated. Uh, just before we get into this week's installment, I want to add my voice uh, to the congratulations to all of our moms. We love you, we honor you, we appreciate you. Uh, we know that most of us are still around because most of you did an amazing job. And so uh, in spite of many, many challenges, uh, we know that you love us and have persevered. In fact, um, some of you might uh, relate to a few of these memes that I found online, uh, especially during lockdown. I imagine a lot of moms are feeling like this is all they're hearing with little kids, mom, 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 all the time. Uh, this little guy, in fact, uh, is a little bit shocked to find out that mom might not be his mother's first name. Uh, for others, you are incredibly gracious in listening to your kids tell a very, very long story. Uh, and even though I know this might not be true for uh, many couples nowadays, I know that some moms would declare that they don't want to sleep like a baby. They want to simply sleep like their husband. Others of you might be able to relate to Sandra Bullock uh, before kids and <laughs> after kids. Um, this particular lady was advised that lavender might help reduce stress. So she went a little bit overboard. And uh, others of you can relate to asking your kids not to touch anything at the doctor's office. Instead, they go ahead and uh, lick everything. In fact, I actually found uh, this particular video online. This is legit, uh, where this little girl is licking this handrail. Uh, you have to understand, I'm OCD, so this gives me the thrills <laughs> big time. And then perhaps my favorite, uh, if it looks stupid, but it works, it ain't stupid. Um, I hope you can see this clearly, but this little girl is in her mom's pants and it's working. She's happy, so all is right uh, with the world. And then Sue thought we should add this one in. This is a wife trying to seduce her husband at the end of a very busy day when her kids have <laughs> finally gone to bed. Yes, she does have a beard and a cigarette. Um, moms, we love you. <laughs> we appreciate you. And uh, we do hope that you are spoilt, uh, not only today, but that in general, um, your family uh, expresses appropriate gratitude towards you. Um, one more announcement, very quick, is that next week, we're gonna be joined by some friends of ours, Jimmy and Irene Rollins. Uh, they're gonna be helping us wrap this series up. So next week is our final installment. Um, for those of you that weren't around uh, when they did a team night with us, Jimmy and Irene lead an incredible church, I-5 City Church in Baltimore, Maryland, about 30 minutes outside of Washington, D.C. Um, it's an incredible church, not just because it's, they're making an impact on thousands of lives, but, um, but they are incredibly involved in their community and missions. Um, and helping even navigate uh, various race uh, tensions in, in certain contexts uh, in the States. They've got an incredible personal story of their own journey, uh, working through and walking through addiction and recovery, and just how they have worked through these things in their own personal marriage. They've got three teenage um, children. I don't wanna oversell this, but you don't wanna miss out next Sunday. Make sure that you tune in, please. Right, today I'm wanting to take a look at a topic real quickly, and we've got a, a few uh, couples, two couples that are gonna be sharing their own personal stories. Um, I wanna talk about the, the pressure or the role of money at this time. Um, so we're talking about it's complicated, referring to relationships and some of the challenges that we're facing. And I think at the best of times, um, financial stress is one of the most common causes of conflict and in, in fact, even divorce. Uh, in many 
many marriages. And so I can only imagine how much more uh, this pressure is being added to relationships. Um, even if you're single, you know, financial pressure right now, the uncertainty, uh, not knowing, for many people watching or listening, you don't know whether or not you're gonna get a salary at the end of this month. Um, in some cases, you're maybe living from week to week or maybe even living on, uh, on external assistance. And, and this is stressful. I don't wanna downplay anything. If you're a normal human being and you're not sure that you're gonna be able to feed your family or pay rent or pay your bond or pay uh, you know, your bills, this is incredibly stressful. And so we just wanna take a look at three very simple principles um, that I'm hoping will help encourage uh, your heart. So I'm not, I'm not giving you practical stuff about budgeting and how to give, spend, save. Um, I, think, I think you probably have a pretty good idea about that stuff. A lot of the time we fail at it and then we get discouraged and then you know, we give up. Uh, I, I'm not really wanting to get practical. I wanna encourage our hearts because very little reveals um, our hearts, our character, our, our priorities, our, our hope, where we're placing our trust than money. And whether we've got a lot of it <laughs> or nowhere near enough, uh, it, it's, it's, it has an amazing way of um, yeah, bringing things to the surface. Just like we mentioned uh, two weeks ago that um, relationships don't make us bitter or ugly or angry. Or, you know, it, it reveals stuff that's inside of us. It's amazing how the presence or absence of money can also reveal um, the state of our heart. And so my first encouragement to you, and by the way, we've got a whole bunch of scriptures on the YouVersion Bible app. If you're watching online right now, um, there's a section in the column of the notes, although I would encourage you to carry on watching on your screen and maybe call it up on your cell phone uh, if possible. But please do go back, save these notes today. There are a lot of scriptures that I want you to be able to go back to that I think will encourage you. Jesus is speaking in Matthew 6 verse 31. And he says, don't worry about these things. Saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? I mean, if, if, if ever in my lifetime, this verse has been appropriate to not just um, a portion of the globe, but to the vast majority of the globe, it couldn't be more relevant right now as we, as for many people, we are concerned about what we will we, uh, eat, drink, and where. And by the way, I don't think Jesus has been patronizing and just dismissive and saying, don't worry. He knows that these things matter. He's, he's trying to explain why we don't have to worry. And there is a difference between worry and stress, by the way. Stress is feeling the, the, the natural um, grief or pressure of, of, of a reality. But worry, I think, is when we try and control the outcome through feeling anxious and negative and, and fearful as though that's gonna help add something to the situation, which of course it doesn't. So he says, don't worry about these things. He goes on in verse 32 to say that these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. And again, I don't think he's dissing people that aren't in a relationship with God. He's just acknowledging that if people don't have a relationship with our heavenly father, uh, these are going to be the natural thoughts that, and fears that dominate our minds. But he's saying it should be different for us if we have a relationship with him. If we are a son or a daughter of God, our heavenly father, listen to this, he already knows all that you need. He goes on to explain this isn't just in a vacuum. There is a role that we play in this relationship. And verse 33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. So as we enjoy a relationship with God 
And again, you're not going to do this perfectly, but as we are trying to grow in our relationship with God, as we so to live righteously simply means that we are trying to to follow God's plan, walk on the path that He has for us. He will give us everything we need. Maybe not what you want, and maybe not always when you would like it, but He will give you He will give you what you need. I can just tell you that I'm, I'm here as a testimony to God's miraculous provision over and over and over again in my life where it doesn't make sense. It's not, it's not mathematical. Then Jesus goes on to say in verse 34, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring enough of its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. In other words, again, he's not saying be in denial. He's not saying put your head in the sand. I just think that there's a way to respond. There's a, there's a heart reaction that is diligent and we're good stewards of, of what we have within our hands, but where we're also able to exercise faith and, and rest in God with those things that are out of our hands, those things that are just completely out of our control. We can trust Him for creativity and innovation and we can ask Him for miraculous provision. Um, but, but we've also got to know when is it that we need to rest? When is it that we need to, to draw a line and say, God, have I done everything I can? Okay, I think I have. Lord, I'm going, to, I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to keep worrying about what I haven't done two days from now or a week from now or a month from now. Um, how do I nurture a heart that, that copes with the chaos and the complications of this season of uncertainty? Um, again, just very quickly, three easy ideas. Uh, the first is that we reflect and respond. We reflect and respond. So often, uh, we want to just solve the surface issue when, when sometimes God's allowing a surface issue to bring deeper issues uh, to the fore. And so I'd love for you just to uh, take a look at Reese and Tammy Lewis Thomas. They, they just want to share for a few minutes about a season that they went through last year and how God uh, actually had a deeper work that He wanted to do in their lives. So 2019 was uh, quite a rough year for us. Um, my business always starts off slow in January and February, and then when the new financial year comes, comes around, usually things pick up quite a lot and we get new contracts and new stuff. So, but um, last year by you know, April, May, nothing really had shifted and there was no, no significant work coming in. And I remember at the beginning of June, um, looking at our business finances and um, realizing we've only got maybe two months left of um, cash flow to float the business. And every month, it kind of up to that point, just kind of got a little more stressful. And, and by then, I was, yeah, I really wasn't doing so well. Yeah, so that obviously placed a lot of pressure on us as a family. Um, we had just bought a house that December passed and suddenly with the job of income, it was stressful knowing how to pay the bond and um, all of that. And also Reese, um, I think this is the most I've ever seen Reese stressed before. Uh, he was very withdrawn and um, you could see he was really struggling. And for me, um, I grew up in a family where we struggled often. And so I'd learned that God always came through. And so it was easy for me just to say, okay, well, just trust God. Like, God's got this. Like, He loves us. He's going to get like, and I almost got frustrated. Or I think I did get frustrated with Reese saying like, like, snap out of it. Come on. Like, we can trust God. Like, just, just trust Him. And when I was praying and just asking God, like, God, what is the season for? Like, why are we here? Because I know that you're good, I know that you're faithful, 
but we find ourselves in this difficult situation, so there must be a reason for it. And I really felt God challenge me on my own attitude and on how I wasn't actually being supportive to Reese. Mm. I wasn't um, with him in it. I was, I was kind of, yeah, we were very separated. And I feel like this season could have pushed us even further apart. But um, yeah, we decided to change some things and we started praying together every night, which really just created an environment for us to be vulnerable with each other. Mm. Um, it also created space where feelings were okay. It was okay to, mm. to not be um, feeling great that week or to be worried, but we wouldn't leave it at that. We would say, okay, this is how we're feeling. Let's pray because God is good. God is faithful. God's got us. And then we would pray. We also started reading scriptures uh, memorizing scriptures, putting the scriptures up on wall, on our mm. walls and allowing it to really shape the way that we thought. And not just scriptures on like, oh, God will give you everything you want, but scriptures on, on uh, challenging our heart towards finances. Like, are we putting this above God? Are we putting that first or are we putting God first? And so, yeah, we helped, that helped shape our thought life and our expectations of God. And I think the whole season in the end brought us a lot closer and helped us to learn to be vulnerable and work together through stuff. And I remember also um, chatting with a friend at this time uh, and he just encouraged me and said, man, you know, it doesn't take much for God. It's one phone call, it's one client or it's one invoice and it, the whole situation can change around. And um, so I really did pray into that. And by the end of June, nothing had changed still, and as God's timing would have it, I received some inheritance, which I wasn't actually expecting. Uh, we knew it was coming, but it had kept on getting delayed, and the state took long to wrap up. So, so that inheritance covered us. Mm -hmm. um, and then again, you know, we were just praying into, into us and into our relationship and into finances and for, and for something to shift and change. And I believe that happened in July, and I got one big contract in, and... At that point, it wasn't just the one big contract that came in. It was a bunch of other work that started came in, coming in. And, and that's why I really believe that uh, there was a shift that happened. And, and we are now living in the fruits of what we did in that rough season. Yeah, definitely. And um, I think something that really blew us away was just realizing that God cared more about our marriage than we did. And that he, because out of his love mm. and his kindness, he allowed the situation, he allowed this desert time for us of dryness so that it forced us together and forced us yeah. to learn to work together. And we are stronger because of it. And so we are actually grateful for <laughs> the time last year, even though in it you don't feel like it and it's hard. And, it's, and I know a lot of people are there now. They're in, you're in seasons that are hard. But we're grateful that we went through it because I would rather have a stronger marriage. I would rather yeah. have a stronger relationship with yeah. Jesus. I would rather be more patient and more loving towards Reese and more supportive like I am now than just carrying on in the life before. So God uses things to help us, to shape us, and we're grateful that we're yeah. better because of it. Seriously, I think that that is such a life-giving testimony and example um, of allowing God to, to do, to basically to fulfill His agenda. I love, I love the fact that they can declare at the end that we're better because of it. And our hope and our prayer is that we're going to get the, to the end of the season, that we're going to get through the season, and the season will end. We are going to come out the other side at some stage, whatever that looks like. And it is our hope 
And I pray that we are stronger, that you are stronger, that we've gone deeper, that our roots have gone deeper, and that we're allowing God to do what He wants to do in our lives and in our relationships and in our thinking. Um, I love Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24, probably one of the prayers that I pray more than any other, and I've often mentioned this at church, um, but I think it's a great prayer that, that ties in with um, reflecting and responding, reflecting on the situation, the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Psalm 139 verse 23 says, search me, O God. It's just an example of a prayer that, that's reflective and say, God, search me and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. By the way, that's a healthy relationship with God. We're saying, God, search me, test me, show me anything that offends you and then lead me. That's, that's what it means to have a, a relationship with God where He is our Lord, where He's the master, where the servant, we're saying, lead me along the path of everlasting life. That's, that's what we're invited to. It is a path of everlasting life. And so I encourage you to, number one, reflect and respond. Secondly, we want to remember and respond. Uh, when we're going through times of unsettledness and uncertainty and just downright panic and fear. Um, it helps us when we can look back and see what God has brought us through. And the fact that you're still here today means that God has brought you through some stuff, um, that He has been gracious, that He has been patient. And so this next story is Moffat and Naomi Chemby. Uh, many of you know them, beautiful couple, lovely family. They've been with us for just over a year, originally from Zambia. Um, Moffat studied here in Cape Town for several years. In fact, the first year that Moffat was here, he was alone without Naomi and the kids. And so they've paid a, a real price um, in just trying to follow God's purposes, um, trying to prepare for whatever he has ahead of them. And right now, they're in a season of uncertainty. So they've been with us for a year. Um, our denomination uh, got us to partner together for some training, and they'll be with us for the remainder of the year. But they don't know what next year is going to look like. They don't know if they're going to be placed somewhere. They don't know. It's uncertain. So what do we do when we're looking ahead to complete uncertainty? Yeah, so we've been on this long transition that started with us uh, leaving our jobs uh, back where we come from and uh, coming here to study. Um, and eventually my family joined me, uh, which I'm grateful for. And after that uh, came this period of practical training uh, where we're being prepared uh, for ministry. And uh, we were specifically sent here to View Church Milneton for a period of time, a specific period of time. And uh, we're now at that place where we're looking toward the future to see what the future holds. And we are very aware of the fact that in ministry, God can choose to send us anywhere. And our hearts know that very well. But the challenge that we're facing in this particular season of uncertainty is just the fact that the mind wants answers. The mind wants to know exactly how things are going to play out how this will come in place, how that will come into place, and all of those things. And it has often produced uh, feelings of anxiety, of fear, and just uncertainty in general. Mm -hmm. And that hasn't been easy, especially now, 
you know? So we're having to strive to interrupt these negative thoughts and feelings, and it's not an easy thing to do. Yeah, and we strive by um, interrupting the negative thoughts or the anxious thoughts or the fear of the future by looking back at how God came through for us, um, just leaving home, how God came through with fi finances, how mm. God came through with visas, and just the paperwork of us being here, we've been able to look back just at how God has provided with our kids' schools, how God has provided us with a home. And so these are the things that we look back on and um, just looking at God's faithfulness and what God has done. So this gives us hope and just looking at the future, knowing that the God who was there with us yeah. in the past uh, is a God who is also who will also be there for our future in our future and that God will God has a purpose and a plan for our lives. So this is what um, is really keeping us in this season. And you know one of the ways that we're interrupting these negative thoughts and feelings is that we we're, we're reminding each other and we're tapping each other every time the, the other person uh, you know drifts into negative thoughts and all of those things we're having to remind each other to say look back at what God has done and how faithful he's been and that way we're finding that we we we're so slowly winning the battle, but it's not easy. It's not easy to get what is in the heart to be, you know, in harmony with what is going on in the mind because the mind wants to do its own thing. <laughs> so it's a constant struggle, you know, throughout this uncertainty. But God's track record is that he's never failed. Uh, his record is flawless and we can trust him looking forward to what is he has in the future for us yeah remember god's track record it's flawless he has never failed i love how they interrupt negative thoughts and feelings how they will um, support one another and hold each other accountable and i want to encourage you again during the season Allow us to be a strength to one another. If you're married, bring out the best in each other. D don't provoke, don't patronize, but, but, but try and encourage one another. When one is weak, try and allow the other one to be strong and not, and not pull each other down, but rather try and build each other up. We are encouraged to remember and respond. Psalm 103 verse 2 says, Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. My, my hope and prayer, honestly, is that even in this moment, that God might bring back to memory, maybe things that he's done for you that you weren't even aware of, times that he's carried you, times that, he, that he's provided, times where he, where he rescued you from what you knew should be normal consequences, times where maybe he prompted someone else to even just be generous or gracious or to forgive you. I just think if we were to slow down and to think back, we might be amazed as we remember God's incredible goodness and kindness to us. Philippians 4 verse 6 also encourages us not to worry about anything, instead to pray about everything and to tell God what we need and to thank Him for what He has done. 
God has done good things. Please, let's remember and respond. Firstly, we reflect and respond. Secondly, we remember and respond. And thirdly, we rest and respond. When we've done all we can, when we've reflected, when we've learned, when we've, when we've tried to, to glean what we can, we're encouraged to rest in God. When, when we have been diligent with our responsibilities, the Bible in so many different places encourages us to rest in God. Psalm 172 uh, sorry, 127, rather, verse 2 says, it's useless for you to work so hard. It's almost like anxiously, frenetically, from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to His loved ones. God gives rest to His loved ones. I first learned about, or began, rather, should I say, <laughs> to learn about this rest in God uh, when I was 19. Um, through a series of, of circumstances, I found myself in Australia alone as a student um, and within a very short space of time. I didn't have uh, money to pay for rent uh, or to pay my college fees. And in Australia, for some reason, you pay your board and lodging every week. So it's not like you only stress out once a month. Like you, I felt like I was under stress permanently. Like every Thursday, uh, I'm like, where am I going to get money from? How am I going to pay? Uh, board and lodging and you see up until this point in my life um, I'd always been able to depend on my parents they uh, I don't think we were ever particularly spoiled but but there was there was enough that if ever there was a need like if you needed a pair of shoes or something had to be paid for at school um, you know we we didn't have to fast and pray to get some money and to get that stuff uh, all of a sudden though I was in a situation where I needed to fast and pray um, I was desperate for work. I was desperate for, for income. And um, I don't think it was a coincidence that I, that I really struggled to find a permanent part-time job as, as a student. So I was a full-time student trying to find a permanent job that I could rely on a steady income to, to pay my board and lodging. It just didn't happen. And, and I really do think that it was actually a God thing because what happened in, uh, in turn was that I had to genuinely learn to to trust God way out of the box. Like I had God in a box and I thought that there, you know, I, I felt like I had a certain formula or that God, I limited how God could provide for me. And slowly but surely that's just, that just started to widen and broaden my, my willingness to work became, you know, extreme. I, I didn't just see it as a gift if, if someone blessed me with, with a financial gift towards rent or, or college fees. I, I, I started to see the opportunity to work with the same level of, of you know, miraculous intervention and, and gratitude. And um, I mean, I did everything from you know, janitorial work and cleaning toilets and buildings to cutting grass on small holdings to sanding down cars to washing the windows at the airport to um, telemarketing, which I hated, by the way, uh, and um, working as a casual at a, at a local factory. But they would only call me up on the day. So, I, so I'd be finishing up with college and then I'd get a call saying that's, that someone you know, couldn't come in that night, would I come to the night shift? And I worked as a, as a, as a factory worker on a conveyor belt with, with yogurts uh, through the night. And, and, and it developed in me, um, obviously besides character and, and work ethic and, and humility, just, just it showed me over and over and over again how God could provide in ways that I could never imagine. And, and it started to help me see 
uh, that, that even when I can't see what the future looks like, even when I can't see how God is going to provide, I can actually rest in Him. And so again, there's a place for working hard, for being diligent, for being a good steward. But then there's also a place to recognize your limits and to know, okay, God, is this in my control or is this out of my control? And, and I really do, I, again, I can just tell you that over the last 25 years, God has been ridiculously faithful. Um, and I've got to say, faith, faith is a muscle that we develop. And it's not faith in faith. It's not if you have enough faith, you can you know, if you, if you believe it, you can achieve it. If you dream it, you can, you know, grab it. It's, it's not that kind of thing. In fact, I had to learn that the hard way. I remember towards the end of my time in Australia, I was desperate to come back to South Africa. I was missing my family. I wanted to get back into the church. And, and I couldn't leave because of my college fees not being settled yet. And so I remember actually driving uh, to a local ATM the one day and trying to, to work up this faith. Now, I knew I had nothing in the bank. But I remember, I'm embarrassed to admit this, but I remember like sitting in the car, I was using the car of the people that I was living with and saying, God, I know you can. And by the way, I do believe that God can, but I just didn't know that he would. And I, and I didn't, and I certainly, you know, was still struggling to know that I couldn't manipulate God through just wishful thinking. And so I prayed real hard, went to the ATM, punched in my pin code, and uh, my bank balance was, I don't know, probably like $5. I was like, it's cool. I've got this. I'm going to persevere. I, got, I went back into the car. I grabbed the steering wheel. And I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm physically agonizing, trying to, you know, literally trying to work up. The, I was anxiously trying to work up enough faith, enough belief, as though that in itself is going to make this happen. I went back to the ATM, punched in the code, nothing. Went back to the car, tried again, went back and back and back. I, I don't even know how many times I went back and forth until I guess God was gracious and gave me a sense of maybe this isn't going to work. I can't manipulate him. So I want to be very clear that, that when I talk about resting in him, I'm not saying that if you just have enough faith, you'll get what you want when you want it. Faith is a faith in God. I'm trusting God that he is good, that he is able to provide, even if it is completely differently to what I expect. Um, even if he does a different work in me and in my family than, than what I expect. But, but I am invited to rest in him. I'm not exaggerating when I tell you that I could keep you here for another hour, just going into detail of God's faithfulness in different seasons of our lives. When, when I first went into the ministry, um, I, was, I was literally told by someone who I trusted and respected at the time, like, you realize that you're never going to be able to do, like, have anything, right? You'll never have any money. And, and, and to be honest, I was like, well, okay, if, that's, if this is what God wants and if that's what that means, I, I, there was a part of me that thought, that's fine. Like, if that's, if that's what it is, I'll accept that. And for many years, I really struggled to believe that I'd ever be able to afford to live. And they've just been, there, was, there were a series of miracles in how God provided for me. Um, to, I, don't know if, I, I couldn't see that I'd ever be able to afford to get married. Somehow we afforded to get married. We literally didn't have a cent towards our wedding, but we had a wedding and we got married. Uh, we couldn't really afford to live, but God provided. We didn't have a stitch of furniture. There have just been so many ways that God has undertaken. And, and, uh, and even when we first... Um, fostered our, our youngest daughter Madison. Um, it wasn't something that we could plan for. The circumstances were quite sudden, and and you know in those early years where where, where our finances were you know were very limited and restricted, um, God provided every single week. Like we we I don't think we ever bought a single nappy, um, school fees, just just all kinds of things. The way that God undertook um, when we when when we started 
you know, developing a desire for a home. I actually felt cheeky, like, can I even ask God for a home? Sue, fortunately, was, you know, a little bit bolder than I was. And even that, just a miracle story of how God provided, um, not just, you know, a great home, but, but even financially within a very uh, short space of time. And there've been so many things in our family. Even if you walk around our house today, there's, there's, there's if the curtains around me were a gift. Uh, furniture have been secondhand hand-me-downs, but they're like it's amazing. So it's there, there's nothing wrong with it. But all all these different ways of provision right now, even the car that we have was a gift from some friends a couple of years ago. The point I'm trying to make is that when I get nervous about the future and when I look at how might this all work out, I I just have to look back. I have to remember. As I remember and as I reflect, I'm able to rest in God. God, you've been so good. God, you've done so much. And, and just in case you're tempted to think, well, you're the pastor, people want to help you out, you know, or maybe God likes you more. Um, I don't think any of that's true, but, um, but I can tell you stories of people that, that are on the lowest uh, level of income earning that have been given houses, that have been given money, for university fees. In fact, someone told me um, l literally, I think a week ago, about, about someone who's got limited income, uh, they're a domestic worker and have not been able to get in, um, and, and, and their husband hasn't been able to get in the, the normal income that they have, and so they don't have money for rent. A cousin from Canada uh, sent money over. The point I'm trying to make is that, is that this is not restricted to certain people. Um, if you're a child of God, whether the world thinks anything of you or not, God thinks something of you and you can rest in Him. And so my, my invitation to you is to do the work of reflecting and asking the tough questions, God, is there anything you're trying to do in me? I certainly uh, want to encourage you to be intentional, even to write it out as you remember and respond. So as you, as you look back and, and see what God has done for you, and then my encouragement is to rest. Rest in God, know where to draw the line. I love how Hebrews 13 verse 5 says, Don't love money, be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Again, he's talking to his children, to people that have responded to a relationship with him. And then he goes on in verse 6 to say, So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. So I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? We can, we can speak with confidence. We can rest. Be diligent. Do what you can. Reflect. Allow God to point things out to you. Be responsive to that. If you know you've messed up and you've failed, own it. Acknowledge it. Confess it even if you have to. Um, but then accept God's grace and forgiveness. And, and my, my greatest encouragement to you, if, you're, if you haven't already done this, is, is the, the greatest level of, of rest uh, to walk in is a relationship with God where we allow Him to take over the steering wheel, where we allow Him to be the boss, to be the leader, um, where the buck stops with Him. My, my final scripture is Proverbs 3 verse 5 to 6, where it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. So this isn't just one of those cases of God, we'd like you to you know, sprinkle some pixie dust of our finances, please. Like sort our finances out, but, but don't, don't touch these areas. God's like, no, no, we need to surrender. We need to trust God with all our heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. 
It doesn't say don't have your own, just don't depend on it. Don't lean on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do. And he will show you which path to take. I'd love to pray for you in a moment. Uh, two groups of people, those, those that are just really needing their, their faith to be encouraged, their, their, their level of resting in God to, to increase. And secondly, for those of you that are in a position where you're wanting to say yes to Jesus, yes to a relationship with God, where you want to be a child, a son or daughter of God, where you can be confident in these uh, promises found in Scripture. Please join me. Father, thank you so much that you do have a great track record, as Moffat said. Thank you so much, Lord, that, that as we look back, as we, as we reflect on, on what you've done before, as we remember how good you've been, God, we can rest as we look ahead. So all, all I can ask, Lord, is that you give us um, discernment. Help us to know what is within our control and help us to know what is outside of our control. Help us to be diligent with that which is in our control and help us to trust you with that which is out of our control. And Lord, for people that are wanting to genuinely surrender their lives to Jesus today, I pray that you would help them to say yes to forgiveness, this free gift that Jesus purchased for us on the cross. Help them to say yes to forgiveness and help them, Lord, to choose to follow, to take one step at a time as they surrender their whole lives, as they learn, as they develop that muscle, as they learn uh, what it means to, to trust you with all of our heart. God, I pray that you would give us peace, perspective, protection, and provision, and that you would bless all of our moms today. In Jesus' name, amen.